Welcome, fellow anglers, to the Working Class Fishing Podcast, a place for all anglers, amateur or expert, to share their stories and learn about fishing. Join your hosts, John and Brian, each episode as they debunk the perceived inaccessibility to fishing, break down the barriers of any and all angling methods, and hear stories from other anglers and their own journeys with fishing. Now, let's get this show started. Right now, maybe. Welcome back to another episode of Working Class Fishing. I'm your host, John Morris, this evening. And this episode is brought to you by CD Fishing USA, Cheercure Naughty Tackle, Anadromous Fly Company, 317 Flies, Angry Rooster Fly Company, Lidrick, and our newest sponsor, Max and Inflatables. <clears throat> I have Mr. Scotty Keener on this evening with me it's a saturday evening he's sitting on the porch smoking a stogie and i'm wearing a hawaiian shirt drinking kombucha how's it going man <clears throat> not bad dude i've got i've actually got covid right now <laughs> oh my gosh really <laughs> yeah i really do <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, <laughs> hope that kombucha clears it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's clearing something up. I'm about to open my third eye. You best watch out. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the Hawaiian shirt will give you a good draft. <laughs> <laughs> No, seriously, I do. I do love like whenever I see your time videos on Instagram and you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt, I'm like, rock on, man. That's awesome. You know, you know what's bizarre to me, dude, is like the ones with my Hawaiian shirt to get more views. Yeah, they, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they get more views. Um, and I was looking at that the other day, by the other day, I mean yesterday. I was like, why, why do these have so many more views? And they were also trout streamers too, and everyone. Everyone loves trout, I guess, but uh, but not tonight because Mr. Scotty is a huge advocate of the red-eye bass. But before we get to that, Scotty, I got to ask you, man, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? Yeah, man. Um, my name is Scott Keener. Uh, I am the vice chair for the South Carolina chapter of Native Fish Coalition. Uh, we've been around, well, our chapter has been live since um, March of last year. So we just had our year anniversary as a chapter. And um, I live in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, been fishing on and off since I was, you know, a wee lad. <laughs> um, <laughs> And started fly fishing uh, in 2018. Um, picked up my uncle's old uh, Daiwa graphite composite uh, seven weight and just was chasing, chasing, you know, mostly bass and panfish uh, pretty much ever since. I mean, I I deviate around that every now and then, but mostly I, I stick to my warm water fisheries. Um, I'm a twin parent. I have a a son and a daughter um, got the variety pack. Yeah, they uh, and they're cute as can be too, man. Yeah, thank you, thank you. They, we just celebrated their their one year, their first birthdays um, on the twenty fourth. Yeah, that means you also celebrated your first year of not uh, accidentally killing a child. So good on you as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't lose either one of them, so we're doing yeah. pretty well. <laughs> yeah, like the first. <laughs> The first three years are pretty hectic, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not looking forward to. I saw this all, the other day. It was a, a guy, a comedian, was talking about. He was like, he was like, you know, three year olds are just two year olds with experience. Uh, so yeah, so um, you know, dual dual three year olds. That's gonna be a wild time. But um, <laughs> but no, I'm looking forward to it. You know, um, but yeah. So I'm yeah that uh. I'm I'm a I'm a landscaper. That's what I do to to keep the light on and and you know 
to keep myself happy, I tie flies and I, and I fish and I try to, you know, try to be a part of conservation, you know, in the mix of all that. So because you're a landscaper, is that why your beard's so nice? Kind of. Um, I got out of, I got, a, I got out of EMS, um, in like the late summer, uh, in 2021. And when I got out, I was like, you know what? I hate shaving bumps and I'm, I'm not going to do it. And so when I went back into landscaping, I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it go. And so I've just, you know, I've kept it, you know, a couple steps away from Sasquatch and now it's, it's just there, you know, so my wife tolerates it. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's always good. But yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk about red eye bass and, um, particular the Bartram's bass uh there's so for for folks that don't know much about red-eye bass we're not talking about rockfish we're talking about a uh, certain species of bass that's only uh, native to certain parts of the southeast um it's uh there's a there's what we call the red-eye bass complex there's so there's seven there's seven species within the within the red-eye bass complex there's the kusa the talapusa the Cahaba, the Warrior, the Chattahoochee, the Altamaha, and the Bartrams. I think that was seven. <laughs> um, I can't lost, count tonight. You lost me at Chattahoochee. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorites. I just um, like saying that word. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all, that's all seven. Um, and several are shared between um alabama georgia and south carolina okay. and a sliver a sliver of coosa i believe it's coosa in the tennessee or in, in tennessee right where it meets the alabama line um but yeah so um i'll just i mean if you if you want i could back up to like what i consider my you know a little bit of my fishing story that will lead into red eye bass if that's okay yeah, no, dude, it's your show. I'm just, I'm just here tying flies, man. You're just keeping score. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I grew up like everybody else, you know, with their dad and, and, uh, I don't know, general guardian that that uh, will let me go to the lake with them and and fish for bluegills with worms, you know, bobber worm, Johnny Johnny Quest, you know, push button rod, um. So I started with that and, you know, everybody has a certain, you know, perspective on that or whatever. So that, that, that can either make you fall in love with it or make you fall out of fishing. Um, but I got, I got into the conventional side of, of, uh, bass fishing on, on lakes when I was in high school with my buddy, Will, who's, um, who's our chair for NFC and South Carolina, uh, for our board here. And, um, you know, he's a really, really close friend of mine. He's my best friend. And, he helped me get into it, and I'm 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 just gonna go ahead and save this because this is related. But um, <laughs> my my rod back then was a Bill Dance combo, um, quantum rod. So I said the word Bill Dance already. Um, Dude, it's all right. You know what? We've we've gotten past that. I think I don't know if the stream crashes, then it's a. Uh, I mean, it is your fault, but you know, I think I think we're past <laughs> that stage in our lives on uh, working class fishing here. Well, I had to say it. <laughs> well, um, you know, and what's, so just to, I don't know, I guess people could go back and listen to like however many episodes we have, but <clears throat> I said Bill Dance on a podcast one time and everything just like, the connection just went to shit and all this stuff. And we were like, <laughs> what? what happened? And the only thing we could really come up with is that uh, saying Bill Dance cursed the podcast. So that was a running joke for a long time. Scotty's, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Scott has been listening to us uh, rant and rave since the beginning. So that's right. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, I think my affinity for warm water just came from being in the South and, and having those you know, those are the closest opportunities, the most accessible water for me, you know, bass, canfish, things like that. Um, and, um, so in 2020, you know, right as COVID was happening, 
and I was an EMS and, you know, just living just a crazy rhythm of life that a lot of public safety workers live. You know, my wife and I were both, we both worked in the pandemic. She's an ICU nurse, but back then we were both on night shift and, you know, I mean, uh, to kind of decompress on, on, uh, on days off, um, my friend, Will, my buddy, Will and I, we would, we would, we started getting into, to red eye fishing and, um, I would, I would take anything from like, you know, just whatever fly, cause I was still getting used to my, you know, fly rods and stuff like that at the time, but I would take my old seven weight. And then eventually I got a, an Eagle claw, a fiberglass three weight, the little yellow Eagle claw rod. Nice. Um, and then I got a, I got my first Takara rod. And so I fished with all of those rods. Um, and I actually caught my first red eye bass on my little Eagle claw. And, uh, I caught my first bar. It was a Bartram's bass. And, um, and then I, I moved on and, you know, I would take my Takara rod and, um, that's a whole nother thing. Like, that's what I, I that's what I love is, you know, f- like, you know, folks like Amanda, like Lady Takara bomb and, and Aaron, I mean, like everybody, everybody has their own special like niche or preference in fishing, but we can all kind of rally around it because I think we all get the same kind of um, satisfaction from our own our own preferences in fishing. You know, it's it's uh, it's all about the same thing. It's about the pursuit, and you know, it's the the reason for the pursuit might be different for everyone, but it's all at the end of the day, it's about the pursuit. Whether that's the pursuit of just being outdoors or the pursuit of actually the fish itself or doing things you're uncomfortable with you know everybody does it for different reasons but exactly like you said we're all we're all in it together for fishing at the end of the day you know yeah yeah so i i started learning more about the bartram's bass um we had a we had a you know, I'll just call him an, an acquaintance because I really didn't get to know him very well. But Will, Will, uh, there's this other guy that he's fished with a few times that that you know showed him some general areas where to where to find you know find these fish. And so you know, we started we started looking on like Google Maps and just different areas and find you know finding finding like the 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 type of habitat they like and everything. And you know, just to walk like I for me it's like a it's like a sensory thing. I, I, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's an experience for the senses. Like it's, if you like backcountry adventures, you'll love red eye bass. So, for example, you know, um, folks I fished with throughout the southeast. This is this is very you know, very great example is uh you know parking on the road and going and just, I mean just tromping through like backcountry areas, um, whether it's whether you're kind of in like the upland area above the fall line, you know, kind of in the Piedmont area or in the foothills of like just right where Appalachia, where it feels like you're going into Appalachia, you know, in the mountains, um, you know, you, you're just, you're just bushwhacking through areas sometimes. And then you kind of go into like this forest bottom and you could come across, you know, cane break, or you could come across, you know, just, just where the forest opens up into the bank but it just feels like paradise for me. Um, I, you know, you perform like these, like this, like angler gymnastics over logs and into gullies. Um, and then you kind of, sl- you, you find your way to the bank. And oftentimes you find these pristine, what what would look like a trout stream to, to somebody mostly um, clear so water. I'm, I'm sorry. I got a question. Yeah, are go these ahead. like <clears throat> first order streams or like third order or are these like, a branch of a branch of a river that starts to, or a creek that actually finally starts holding fish, or are these like headwaters, or can you kind of? So when you say like trouty water, are we talking, you know, like like spring, like springs or freestones, or like some of these mountain streams and stuff like that. A little bit of everything, honestly. Like okay. we've caught, we've caught. So I've caught them anywhere from like a like from i've caught them anywhere from on a float on the main stem of one of these drainage river drainages like on the main stem of the river um throwing like larger larger what i would consider a larger uh bass bass popper for red eye so like a number four or a number two popper like a like a number four boogle bug okay Um, 
so we've we've caught them anywhere from there to there's some folks like my buddy matt lewis he he loves he literally one of it, one of the things i heard him say recently was he loves trying to find like the smallest water he can that could potentially hold red eye bass um so it's almost like brook trout fishing in that sense and i mean it on it honestly is like finding something and it, it, it gets like skinnier skinnier i mean and they can be anywhere on 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 the water on on a wide array of water i mean they can be holding in as in as shallow as like a kitchen sink and i'm i'm quoting matt in his book he wrote a book um he wrote literally the book on red-eye bass fly fishing and um so just reading that i mean that kind of that kind of alludes to the whole experience but when i you know it's it's just clear water uh a lot of its bedrock so like you know a lot of a lot of rocky substrate and that's something you're going to find in the southeast above something we call the fall line, which is where the upland region meets the coastal plain, like where you see right where you see kind of like where the Piedmont or the upland regions. Um, that where while it's still that ecosystem and then it and then the fall line under it is going to be the coastal plain. So you're going to see like sugar sand and you're going to see, you know, kind of more muddy banks and things you're going to see you know, a lot more rivers that become what we call frog water, things like that. Gotcha, um, gotcha. But we're going to go, so we're looking at above the fall line in the Southeast right now. And, you know, we're specifically in South Carolina. So, so Bart, the Bartrams are native to the Savannah river drainage. Um, so you can find them in the main stem of the Savannah um, all the way up to some of our mountain scenic rivers, like the Chattooga river. Um, and then a lot of just a lot of tributaries. It, it comes down a lot to water quality and habitat habitat um, quality. If it's if it is conducive to hold um, various aspects, you know, of what we're talking about that that will yes. contain. You know, that is that is conducive for assuming it can contain Bartram's bass or red eye bass. Um, so red red eye bass are they are they indicator species? Yeah, I mean, they're you definitely consider them an indicator species. I mean, it's it's they're not they're not going to be in in particularly like you know heavy sediment like where there's heavy heavy sediment running off in the river or you know pollution or something. That's that's a big threat. That's honestly one of their biggest threats right now that we're finding is um it's not it's not really um like angler pressure like exploitation or anything. It's it's uh it's habitat degradation. So usually the a fairly intact ecosystem like that is going to hold red-eye bass um and they're they're what we call stream specialists i mean like i said they're you know got to be above the fall line um the the water has to be you know fairly high quality so that i think that's a great it's a great species to bridge people over into something that they really enjoy from an experience if you're a trout angler because you're going to find a lot of the things you like in chasing red-eye bass species that you would love to chase for tr with trout um but yeah so i just i just have really fond memories of chasing bartram's bass and i mean several other red-eye bass species i mean i haven't i haven't caught all seven yet that's one of my goals but um but really i mean i think it, it comes down to this theme of like authentic to what it means to me to have an authentic wild kind of adventure fishing um and it's it's like a, it's like this celebration of authenticity you're chasing wild native fish these fish have existed in in the in a lot of their waters i mean with very little help i mean they're just they're 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 little scrappers you know i mean they're just wonderful fish they're all beautiful they they have their own um individual individual characteristics as far as like how they look um I mean, they're fairly aggressive on the take. They particularly take they they take a lot of topwater. So I mean, you can you can fish topwater bugs pretty much the whole season for them. Um, yeah, and then I mean, I I think I think another thing that I wanted to mention is like my passion that grew grew out of this this whole story of me fishing has led me to start loving a lot of native species, not just Barton's bass. But it it and it also like holds near and dear um, biodiversity. Like a lot of people don't realize that the south, the southeast especially, like we we have 
like Alabama in particular, I mean, like, I, I think I've told you this before, like, I'm starting to kind of adopt the phrase of like, Al- I mean, or, or I guess, I don't know, adopt, whatever. I, I don't know if someone else has said it or something, but Alabama's starting to become like my Montana. Like, instead of instead of wanting to go to like Montana to chase like trophy trout or, or, you know, have a certain type of like blue ribbon, you know, trout stream or something, I'm perfectly happy to tr- to drive two states over to chase creek bass and and not just creek bass but i mean there's there's fishing guides out there that that provide services specifically for some of these red eye bass species i mean so i don't know it's just something to be celebrated yeah i think so <clears throat> i think native fish are very important and often overlooked um <clears throat> i'm i'm still pro hatchery though for like anybody that cares like i'm still pro hatchery fish but i'm also uh, very much so for the native fish. So that might put me in a weird debacle down the road, but. Um, no, I mean, it's, go ahead. I'm, I, I like to always say, I, I like to always preface it with people because I want to, I want to create more unity than division in our, in our culture of, of conservation, angling, whatever, whatever, what have you. Um, sorry, I have to, I, I'm keep, I have to keep relighting my cigar. <laughs> Because you're talking so much. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I don't know, man. I get all I get all excited. I could t- I could talk everybody's ear off about this stuff, but oh, yeah. Dude, I mean, I would. Ra- that's what that's what we're here for. I'm just saying. I I used to do the same thing, dude. I used to smoke a pipe. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I my just... pipe was so Go ahead. No, no, no. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Uh, I used to smoke a pipe, tobacco, tobacco pipe, right? And. Uh, just putting that out there (laughs) (laughs) just uh and it'd go out on me all the time because i'd just be sitting there talking and not even paying attention so i feel you dude (laughs) yeah pipe pipes especially like i'll smoke one every now and then i really enjoy smoking a pipe when i'm like when i'm in the woods hunting or something like i think that's like it adds like another element of just enjoyment excuse me but uh but yeah no my uh my buddy will he he got me uh an old birthday cigar so i'm uh i'm figured tonight would be a good time for it yeah but, um, <laughs> it's never a bad night for a birthday cigar yeah um but yeah man so um i mean i think i think i like i i don't want to i don't want to be the last thing i want especially attached to native fish coalition and just native fish conservation like Native Fish Coalition, what we're, I mean, we're more about the protection of native fish. We want to be more for native fish than against non-native fish or stalker fish or whatever you want to call them, you know, like hatchery fish, you know, like there's, there's definitely a place that we agree on certain things and others on, on hatcheries and all that kind of stuff. But um, accessibility, especially for me personally, like I, I respect that a lot in 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 many different ways um so i get where you're i get where you're coming from well i think you know a lot of these rivers i mean we're not i'm not going to take this down this hole but i think a lot of our rivers still need hatcheries supplementation um without it um i mean the native i'm not a, i'm not a biologist and i might get a lot of hate for this but there's a you know the native returns of these fish or they're just down and you know they're doing like in Oregon they're doing like brood stock programs to where these uh, these anadromous steelhead and salmon and all this stuff they're they're keeping them and then they're making them the the breeders for the hatchery so they're only one generation removed from being completely wild. Yeah. So yeah. you know. Like, yeah. <clears throat> go ahead, man. No, I was just gonna say that's that's a whole. As I mean, I'm like I mean, I'm I'm so much a warm water angler. I'm I'm pretty ignorant, not not necessarily by choice. Just I I don't know much about that whole. It's just you know, it's not where we grew up, man. I, I grew up in Tennessee. You know, like I'm right and now I live in Texas. The only reason I'm I'm aware of any of this is because you know Brian and you know friends of the show and other you know other people. Um, that's the only reason I don't know anything about it, but. Um, you know, no, dude, like us on the East Coast and Southeast and stuff, we don't know shit about that. Or we don't know anything about that is what I should say, rather, like, firsthand. You know, it's 
So like right. we're, we're living it. So it's a, you know, it's a touchy subject for a lot of those people, but you know, without hatcheries, we don't have trout at all, <laughs> you know, for a lot of States. And I don't know if that necessarily means that the trout should even be put there, but you know, that's a, that's another thing I think about a lot, but the native yeah. fish, like ought to be left alone. I think, you know, for the most part, like we shouldn't be, we shouldn't, if if they're in a healthy population and they're still thriving and there's already other species there, then I don't know, let's get them out of biologists. Then, you know, I'd say just, yeah, leave it alone. And if they're threatened to do your best to not do anything, just stay out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's that, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a calm, that's a complicated issue too, but I mean, as far as native fish go, like I, I, I came into to my like passion with with native fish through Bartram's bass and red eye bass, and and a lot of red eye bass anglers have this whole um, kind of conundrum, and we're trying to address it because we need to like part of the, part not not just I mean I genuinely wanted to just kind of hang out tonight and chew the fat with you, but also I mean part of this is y'all are giving me an, a, a great opportunity to talk about red-eye bass so that more, you know, other people in other regions can appreciate a, a regional uh, native species. I mean, that's, that's a really special thing. Um, it's just, Matt, I, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote him. Cause I've been, I've been, <laughs> I've been listening to some of his podcasts and I've been, you know, I, you know, I just got done reading his book and stuff like that. So uh, a lot of times he, you know, this is what he says about awareness of for red-eye bass. Because, I mean, we're all, we're, the, the conundrum I'm talking about is you love something, but you don't want to, you don't want to increase pressure on the fish by getting other people into a sport. But at the same time, you need more people to care. And I think that's where um, our chapter is going with NFC is we want, we want to educate more people so that more people can care. And to quote Matt is people typically only care about what they love. And they can't love something that they don't know. And so I think that's a really valid point because it's like this balance of like, all right, well, we, we need to raise awareness about these species um, that we're still learning about. I mean, it, this is, these are fairly newly just like recently discovered species and we're already finding um, some of them are kind of imperiled, but we need more folks to care about it. And a lot of it can be care can, you know, that, that um, stewardship can be cared about through conservation but also recreation um and i mean you just got to educate folks you know that these aren't just a bunch of these aren't weird looking smallmouth in our river like these are their own there are their own distinct species that have been there and they're and they're they've been there for a long time no absolutely dude it's it's that <clears throat> it's that misnomer and misunderstanding you know that's that leads to a lot of issues all throughout life, you know, is just misunderstandings. But I mean, specifically, you know, um, <clears throat> you get a lot of mislabeling of fish for smallmouth, you know, like even um, like even warmouth and stuff like that. People are like, oh, is that a smallmouth? You know, like you know and then and then you've got gar gar my favorite fish and um they're just labeled as trash you know they're like yeah. oh they're eating all the bass and all this other stuff but they're really not you know they're just they're eating your shad and your dead bait fish and stuff like that <clears throat> and, dinosaurs uh, they are dude they're super old and they've i mean they've been here since the water started flowing like th this is their home you know, and people are out there breaking their bottom jaws off or bow fishing them. And, you know, like it's legal. I mean, I don't think it's legal to break their jaws off. That's, that's waste and wanting yeah. waste. Wanting waste is a very real thing. And that's a very cruel thing to do to any animal. Even if, it, even if you don't like it, you know, it's different if it's like an invasive animal or it's an animal that's threatening your life. There's, you know, there's different circumstances for uh, stuff like that, but uh, if you're fishing and you hook a gar, it's not threatening your life. Um, <clears throat> you know, people are just doing some really terrible things to these fish. Um, 
and I think that needs to change. But uh, yeah, man, I agree. I hundred percent agree, and I'm very uh, gar curious. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I, I want to hook one sometime. We've been we, you and I have been talking about you know that's a good way to expand my species or to expand to a new species on a seven weight. You know, as some of the smaller smaller gar. Dude, I, I, I caught, um, it was around 36 inches, you know, right around three foot, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, you know, I don't know. I'm a fisherman. I can't really measure, but, um, <laughs> but I caught it on a four weight, you know, I caught it on a four weight and it was on four X tippet, like no shit. And mm -hmm. the only reason that happened is, uh, the line went perfectly through its teeth the sex dungeon wrapped around its nose and the rear hook caught the other side of the line. So it lassoed its mouth. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, and that was my only sex dungeon I, I had. My buddy Marty sent that to me. That was before I could tie him myself. And it was this cream sex dungeon with blue uh, rubber legs and uh, red eyes. And, That's cool. uh, and, and I landed it, you know, it, and that was on a four weight. So I mean, like, that's it's very impressive. Awesome. Sorry, it's, I'm I keep interrupting you because I'm so excited. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the circumstances that led up to that, and people, <clears throat> I don't really tell that story a lot because it's so out there that it's like, is is he making this up? And it's like, no, I can't make up a story that good, you know. But um, a seven weight's more than enough to handle most long nose short nose or spotted gar you, know, you can do plenty with a seven or even an eight weight i just i like my 10 you know because i'm i'm going after some i'm going after that 60 inch fish you know i'm going after that just that big and but that big boy or big girl you know either way mm -hmm. but, uh, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll happily i'll happily take a gar um i'm like they did some damn repairs, dude. And I've been fiending for gar. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely fiending. So I'm hoping uh I'm hoping the gar will start moving back up to this section of the river so I can fish them again. Yeah. Well, they're such a unique looking fish. And I I mean, like when you come to when you come to look at them, like there's their patterns or scales, their their spot, they're they're a beautiful fish and they're just like you said they're they're it's like a legacy species for us like they're prehistoric they're just super super interesting to learn about i mean i'm still learning about them and i mean i've i've thrown I've, i was chasing some uh some bass in our local river over here in columbia and i've seen some gar swim right by me and i was like man it's just it like it's kind of mystifying when you see them sometimes and I, it's just, I've, I still have that memory of like, it's just kind of just hanging out in some shallow, in the shallows and I'm, I'm sitting there waiting and he's, I'm just kind of, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like walking down the hallway of his house, you know, he's just kind of like, well, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. But you know, it didn't bite you. You know what I mean? It's no. not like, and see, and that's what people think is like, they're going to harm them, but really they're not, you know, like, no. You might hear about pike or musky like biting someone's toe off or taking a poodle or something like that, you know. But <clears throat> I mean, alligator gore, maybe, you know, like maybe. I and mean, that's a very like low percentile, maybe. Like you got a better chance of winning the lottery. Yeah. But they're like long nose and all these others, they're not going to mess with you at all. They, they have no interest in it. Yeah, typically something that is going to attack you is probably doing it out of the fence because it feels threatened or something. But even then, I mean, I don't know. I just, I've never, I mean, yeah, toothy critters always, they can put you on edge a little bit, sure. But I don't know. I've just been, I've just always been mystified by them. And I, it, when you, when you open your mind up to um, not only recreation, but the conservation of, of all of these fish, um, you know, I mean, we talk about bowfin. A lot of people, a lot of people mistake bowfin for like, you know, snakehead or other species, and or the, or you know, I mean, there's just, I think it's just a lack of knowledge. We just have to educate our public about the the uniqueness of all of these of all of these, you know, critters that have that have been around us for, or you know, have been in existence for so long. 
Um, I don't know. I just Gar definitely. Ever since we started talking about it, I definitely want to want to get to know more about him, and I want to I want to start, you know, seeing him up and up close and personal. Yeah, I mean, it's worth your time. There, it's a it's an incredibly fun species to target. It's not incredibly difficult. You know, there's not tons of like. <clears throat> you don't need a ton of prowess to get after gar, but they're a very rewarding species, and you get as much out of it as you put into it. Like if you just want to go, uh, you know, tinker around, kind of just kind of throw some stuff and catch one and be good, then that's fine. They're just like really, I wouldn't say it's like really big bluegill in the spring, you know, it's not like that voracious, but sometimes they won't eat and there's a lot of reasons they won't eat and we're not going to sit here and talk about all that, but um, yeah. But I mean, it's a really fun species, dude. And I, <clears throat> And the next time I make it back out east, I'm going to do my damnedest to try to link up with you or someone and get after some red-eye bass because that's something I'd really like to chase because I'm not like a native snob, you know? Um, but I really do appreciate native fish in their range. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's a very rewarding and kind of, it's almost like this primal feeling when you catch a fish that like actually belongs there and lives there and it, it's this different connection to nature yeah yeah absolutely man i'd be happy to yeah i would love that man next time you're in the southeast we we got to plan something but i mean it's it's just it's something else being able to tie a popper on your rod and like or on your line and just and just have at it like i mean you don't have to <laughs> you really don't have to change flies i've i've been there's one creek in the Cahaba drainage that uh, last summer we went to. And I want to say this, I want to say this for anybody who I don't, I'm going to do my, my best to, to get some of the folks in the red eye bass community to listen to this episode, because I, I want them to know how grateful I am. Um, we, both my buddy, Will and myself, we have been received with open arms to the red eye bass fishing community. Um, Every one of them is just as excited as I am about a lot of their speed. A lot of and and the Cahaba drainage in particular is really cool because that is like right in Birmingham. It's, it goes right near Birmingham. So like there's some folks that took me to like you know I don't want to say like they're I mean it could have been their secret spot. So I'm not gonna like tell the exact yeah. Greek name, but but those guys, um, I'll just say Steve, Steve Scoggins, Andy, and Wes. Um, they took, they took Will and I out last, uh, August and, um, you know, we all have our, our different nuances. So like Will and I, we're, we love throwing poppers. I mean, we'll throw streamers if we have to for red eye bass. Um, but I mean, there's, there's Alabama bass and Cahaba bass in this drainage and they're, they're both native species. Alabama bass obviously is, I mean, it, it sounds obvious, but it is in fact native to Alabama, to various drainages in Alabama. And, um, we were on this creek, and my, my buddy just hands me this Orvis Recon 5 weight. Because um, I, I just had a little bit too big of a bug tied onto my tippet. And, and he was like, here, man, he just hands me his rod. Just just met me. Didn't really know me for, from Adam. And first cast, I, like, nailed this decent-sized creek, creek-sized uh, bass, Alabama bass. And he fought. And I caught him on a woolly bugger. And then... um and then I caught another Cahaba bass. I caught a, my first Cahaba bass after that. So, I mean, you can catch them on, wool, on woolly buggers. You can catch them on poppers. I mean, I would say, uh, like, the bread and butter of the sizes I like to go with. And this is the wide. I'm going to give you, like, a wide spectrum range from your main stem water to your head water, you know, kind of thing. Is I would go larger water. I would go to, like, a size 4, maybe a size 2, depending on the, the, the hook gap or, the, like, the proportion of the, the body of the popper. Um, okay up to like a size eight or a 10 like little like popper slider kind of thing um so some of these tighter tighter harder to reach kind of areas uh, a size eight is a pretty good sweet spot a number six and a number eight um hook on a fly is like a sweet spot for for what from what i found um but yeah man i mean the the community in here down here is amazing um you know, it's a, a lot of it is, is, is just kind of blossomed into really good friendships. And 
I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, a, it was just a really fun time. Um, so it's, it's been fantastic. I, I, I really, it, it really warms my heart to, you know, the 2023 season. It's getting warmer. You know, we're all thinking about red eye bass. There's already a few of the folks in Alabama that have me drooling for red eye bass because they're already catching them over there. <laughs> but um, it shouldn't be much longer though. We're warming up pretty good. Yeah, we are. Um, it got it got up to I think 81 the other day over here. Um, I'm just looking for that consistency. Yeah, like those consistent temperatures, um, and then where the night doesn't drop below like the 60s, and then you know, the, the water, the water temperatures will start kind of staying consistent. And, and then like the March rain, the April rain, that kind of stuff, you know, will it, you know, it'll, I'm looking for, you know, consistent color in the water and things like that. Cause that, it, you know, our water does still definitely get stained in these areas, but um, once we hit summer, it gets pretty consistent for the most part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I I did. I'm gonna go in a little bit about it about Native Fish Coalition if you're cool with it. Yeah, please um, do. Um, and then I'll and then I'm gonna go back to being all romantic about Bartram's bass. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, so no, I, I I owe it to my Native Fish Coalition community to to mention us. So, um, so yeah, so we're, again, I our South Carolina chapter we started in 2022 of last year in March. Um, but our, our mission as a whole is to protect, preserve, restore wild native fish populations through the stewardship of the fish and their habitats. That's like our official mission statement. Um, and our, you know, we started in Maine, so we're technically headquartered in Maine. That's where I believe our first state chapter started. Um, our executive director, he's, he's the former national vice chair. His name's Bob Mallard. Um, he sits as a advisory council member for several other state chapters. Um, he's a fishing guide among many of us other hats. And he, it's really cool. He actually guides only for native fish uh, species up in Maine. So I oh, really, cool. I really think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's made, he's, he's made a living out of that as well, which is really, really awesome. Um, so Emily Bastion, um, she's our national vice chair. And I, I said this quote to you um, a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to repeat it here, um, just because I think this just this just alludes to how awesome she is. <laughs> um, Emily Emily is taught fly fishing and archery at the LLB Outdoor Discovery Schools, and she holds a second degree black belt in karate. <laughs> um, she just sounds awesome. Like she sounds like she wakes up and like you know has a bowl of like you know steel nails without the milk and then goes and fight bears on her way to the, her like her guided trips or something like she just sounds awesome i haven't really met her personally but she just sounds really cool um but uh but yeah no we um so we're fairly new we started we started nationally at the very start in 2017 so they're not much older than our um than some of our more recent chapters but they've moved down um the east coast from like the northeast and then they jumped a few states, uh, and I think Alabama and the Southeast was our is our oldest Southeast chapter, and then um, and then Georgia and then South Carolina, and we have a regular board, or I shouldn't say regular, but we have a we have a, a you know set of board members on our board, and then we have an advisory council, um, and our board members you know chair vice chair we have a secretary and um, and then we have other members what we call members at large that are that belong to our board and our advisory council are mainly you know folks like scientists and and uh case matter experts you know we have we have folks that you know if a particular project arises in a certain watershed and uh someone on our advisory council can can chime in or or be the point of contact for that that's kind of who that they, what they're for yeah um, okay so that's that's just in general how we're set up So how, how do you become a member of the NFC? Um, so outside of being a board member for a state chapter, um, you can still be a member of Native Fish Coalition. You can still buy a membership just like, you know, just like we, just like you do with like other conservation awards. Um, 
you can buy an individual membership for $35 on, on our website, which is nativefishcoalition.org. Uh, it's an annual membership that you renew every year. And that's, so that's tied back to our national level. Um, not to say that you, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be in contact with our, with our board members at your, at your uh, coordinated state. You know, for example, we have folks here in South Carolina that I've talked to that are, that are national, that are members that are not of our board, but they're still members of Native Fish Coalition. Um, and that's, that's particularly how it is. I mean, you can, I've talked about, uh, I've talked to some of our, of our, of my friends in the fixed line freaks group, um, Aaron and, uh, and Kyle. Um, so I really, I really am hoping that Tennessee gets on board sometime in the near future. Um, I don't have a, a specific update about that, but I, I'm, I'm really hoping that they're one of our next states. Uh, right now they would be national members if they're native fish coalition members. I believe Kyle is a member. Um, but he and I have talked a little bit in the past about that. So that's generally how it's set up. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, man. So my, my, I kind of, I kind of, I, I wanted to be nerdy and write this down. <laughs> um, my why for NFC for me is that it's a conduit for conservation of many of the overlooked species that I love in our waters in the Southeast. Um, because there's like, there's no bass unlimited, you know, there's trout unlimited, there's no bass unlimited, there's no panfish unlimited or gar unlimited. Like this is, this is the conservation org that I can get on board with and be a steward for, um, you know, for gar and for, you know, other species that could potentially be, you know, be threatened or, or not even if it's threatened, but they're underappreciated, um, or no one, no one knows much about them kind of thing, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that's um, cool. Yeah. I just want to get more people excited about like the, the fish that's in their backyard and, you know, these native fish, the endemic, you know, indigenous in what I call like indigenous, like legacy species. I mean, we, we, they deserve to be celebrated. Um, I don't know. I, I want to turn the conversation more of like changing changing the conversation and the behavior of like, instead of, instead of mainly seeing like hero brown trout and rainbow trout, you know, uh, you know, pictures or whatever into like, you know, someone, you know, like, I mean, you're really inspiring, man. Like I see a post about you holding up a gar and I'm like, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I don't know how awesome it really is, but, but no, I, I understand what you're saying though, dude. It's, <clears throat> I understand exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's just, it's a special thing. Um, I think it's about perspective. It's, it's just one of these, like, I mean, we, we need to, we need to appreciate them. We need to understand them. Um, we do trout in the classroom. We call it trout in the classroom. Like a lot of folks with like DNR and, and, um, and trout unlimited. And that's great. That, that gets, that gets kids in, um, into the mindset of angling and conservation, but, we, I want to do the same thing. Like I want to do red eye bass in the classroom or like warm water species in the classroom kind of thing. And, and, and show, you know, show kids while they're young and, and that they can be inspired to, to chase something other than just going like driving two, three hours to the mountains to chase trout that may or may not, you know, may or may not have, you know, evolved there or or are endemic to that water that water you system can, or whatever you, know. you can guarantee uh like 80 percent of the trout that you're going to catch in the mountains you're talking about probably don't belong there yeah and i mean you know i'm not gonna and 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 i don't i don't again i want to say i'm more for native fish than non-native i'm not trying to be all i'm not trying to be all timid on here or anything but yeah. I don't want to start a divisive argument with people outside of here. I mean, people can call, call me out for celebrating native fish all they want. That's fine. But I think the whole point is, you know, like I was on the Chatuga last year, um, beautiful water, like mosaic bedrock, all these colors, gin clear water. And I was up there to appreciate the native um, parchments bass and the sunfish. And there's, rafters going by telling me did you see that huge brown trout and this and that and i'm like you know i'm not really here for that like that's cool i guess but you know and it's there's nothing wrong with getting excited about fishing for those fish but i want to celebrate the fish that belong there because i want to be one more person that 
you know, is advocating for them. No, I hear you. I hear you, dude. And I think oh. brown trout are cool, and I think they fight like hell, and they're pretty, and they were brought here for a reason. But, you know, I think people forget, like, <laughs> that they were brought here. And, yeah, they are wild in most places now, but they are not native by any any stretch of the word. But not, not here to start a pissing contest. I'm here with <laughs> I'm right there with you. Dude. No, no, no. I mean, and it's fine. And we, we openly acknowledge, like, members – like there's native fish coalition, you know, members that they chase non-native species. And it's more like, it's more that those fish are there and that's a fishing opportunity. Um, and there's a difference between like fishing and your conservation philosophy. Like it's okay to have those as separate, as separate entities. You know, I mean, that's, I'm not, I'm not here to bash people for chasing non-native spotted bass or, or smallmouth bass in my state or, you know, going up to the mountains and wanting to catch a pellet pig rainbow trout or something like that. I mean, if that's what they're into, that's fine. But I just, I just love the authenticity of going to like a wild, quite literally like a wild warm water fishery and chasing red eye bass. I think it's just really special. Um, and there's a really cool community coming out of it. And I, and that's really cool. I, there's people that are making livelihoods out of it. Um, shout out to East Alabama fly fishing in uh, on the Tallapoosa drainage. He does, Drew Morgan does uh, guided trips for Tallapoosa bass, which are unbelievably beautiful. They have a mosaic. They have this like mosaic um, of like scaly mosaic lateral lines, and they're they're super like they have these super blue cheeks. Their spawn colors are gorgeous. Um, Chattahoochee bass have these fiery fins, like these fiery orange fins. Coosa bass have these like brick red fins. Um, Bartrams can look like this, like scrappy little creek bass with like cheetah spots as lateral lines that don't touch. Um, you know, I mean, they're just, they're just all very unique. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's just a special thing, something I've come to love and appreciate. I'm hoping that more, more folks within South Carolina and outside of South Carolina can come to, um, to love them and, and, fish for them and, and see what they're all about. I'm, I'm hoping that we can raise more, more awareness. Um, if you're cool with it, I was going to mention something about uh, DNR real quick. Yeah, dude. Um, so I did, I wanted to mention uh, South Carolina wildlife. That's, that's uh, a magazine that's, that's connected to DNR to South Carolina DNR. Um, they, I actually met with, uh, one of the editors and we're going to do an article they're doing a series of articles this i think this year leading into next year which is next year's their 70th anniversary and they're actually going to let the bartram's bass be kind of a centerpiece of of uh their 70th anniversary in like in their issue and i get to write that um that article um based on you know like my experiences and experiences of my friends and and uh i'm gonna i'm in, kind of in the middle of developing this variant of a fly of a topwater fly uh and hopefully you know get more people into tying you know tying or or finding flies that uh that they really enjoy throwing for uh for Bartram's bass so that's coming in that specific article is going to be coming in January of 24 um but there's other articles within SC Wildlife magazine um that will be highlighting other uh fish in our state and um it's a cool magazine i'll um i'll see i'll see how to get uh get a hold of one for you dude that <clears throat> that'd be super dope yeah so i'm doing things like that like i'm working on i'm gonna start working on um the verbiage for that article but also i'm in the middle of developing a few um prototype patterns right now so i'm doing i'm narrowing it down to three right now um I have one that's kind of like a dragonfly, like a dragonfly popper. And then um, I'm going to do like a classic popper, you know, just general like, you know, popper head legs. And it's got the, the, the kind of a middle hackle and then it's got the tail and everything. And I'm kind of playing around with different materials. And then I want to do a bait fish popper because um, I've caught I've caught red eye bass with different styles of those poppers um, before. So I want to see which one 
would be the most successful this season. So I'm, I'm going to test it this season. And then I'm going to write the article um, about the whole process of kind of, I don't want to say designing because that sounds like <laughs> like obnoxious or arrogant for me to be like, I designed to fly because it's probably a variant of something that's like that I was inspired from another tire kind of, you know. Yeah, I got, I got you, dude. Um, but yeah, so um, there's a few things, though. There's that. And then uh, there's a local fly shop up in the up in the upstate of South Carolina, the Chattooga River Fly Shop. Uh, Carl and Karen, they're awesome people. They uh, they're the shop owners and we're going to do a um hopefully in june and late june we're going to do a, a fly tying um event and i'm going to help uh teach people how to tie a, a red eye bass pattern and then we're gonna we're gonna do that workshop and then we're gonna go and take those flies and and uh try to catch some red eye bass up there oh that's mega sick yeah but it, i mean again it's all in the name of trying to get more like more people's eyes open to to native fish and um and just like the wonderful opportunities like that's that's a that's a beautiful idyllic scenic you know fishery up there but a lot of people just don't they don't relate it towards um Bartram's bass or sunfish understandably you know it's yeah. a, which i mean but, like sunfish are equally fun to fish with in my opinion <laughs> oh yeah i think sunfish are the shit i mean I mean, I'm sure Bartram's bass and red eyes are still in that same family. I don't claim to be a scientist, so I don't know the specifics, but I think so. <laughs> um, I imagine so. I mean, they're all pretty much in the, the panfish black bass family. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's been another thing, like in order to in order to like kind of foster a passion for for new anglers to get into fishing for these new for these newly discovered species um there's there's several there's a couple of different like um slams like you know fish slams um there's one in alabama called the mobile the mobile basin slam and that's for the four red-eye bass species that are that are native to the various drainages in alabama and georgia um and then there's um uh, my buddy Will, he he did the um, the one in conjunction with SCDNR, which is the black the South Carolina black bass slam. So that's the Bartram's bass, the largemouth. Those are our two native uh, black bass species, and then we have the smallmouth and the spotted bass. Um, so we have another four species of black bass you can catch over here. Um, and I would yeah, I would encourage anybody who wants to if if you find slams interesting or intriguing that's a great way to get to know um, the fish that, you know, could be right down the road from you. It's a very cool way to pursue it too, because it makes it a challenge, you know, but that's, that's, I mean, that's cool, dude. Yeah, man. Do they have gar slams? Oh, no, dude. I mean, we, we should now. Though. Oh, I probably shouldn't have said Anyway, I was trying I mean, to you're good. <laughs> you're, you're good, man. I appreciate I pre you've done you're doing super awesome with what you what you're what you're referring to. <laughs> uh, I'm trying so hard for you, dude. Because you're I'm, you're good, I, man. I know you wanted to share this with your people. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I just appreciate again, dude. I just appreciate you having me on. This is so this is so much fun. Dude, it's been fun. And I, uh I've been I'm glad to hear about all this and just get to kick it with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely like you know I'm streamer curious. So as far as fly tying and fishing and stuff, like I don't want to discredit. Like, there's a huge world of stream of streamer fly tying, and there's a pretty small. I don't want to say small world. That that sounds mean, but it there's 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 a ton of um, of opportunity for like just some super awesome streamers um, for really any fish. So I don't want to like I talk about poppers so much because I just I just love fishing them. But also like it's it's also really fun to to throw a streamer every now and then. Like I want to I want to I would love to get into tying some like really unique looking streamers for red eye bass and a lot of red eye bass in their diet from what we are finding out 
I mean, they're opportunistic, but they do take a lot of crawfish. Um, so, I mean, there's probably a ton. I would imagine there's a ton of opportunity to fish really awesome crawfish patterns for them. Well, dude, there's that's like the most uh, submitted pattern to Umqua is uh, crawfish. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for a reason, you know, every, the fish eat crawfish, you know, so uh, I would figure out that, dude, there's like something on a Reed Morehouse is like the crawfish, like the crawfish dude, in my opinion. Um, I mean, they call him Dr. Mudbug. You don't, you don't, <laughs> people don't call you Dr. Mudbug for no reason, you know? But um, I'm sure he could help identify like exactly what kind of crawfish you have in there and all that stuff. Well, I'd, I'd imagine with the biodiversity and warm water and warm water fisheries down here is like, or just, you know, like in the South, I mean, I've heard a couple people on different podcasts allude to like the amount of different species of crawfish, like size, color, all that kind of stuff too. So like you could, you could probably fish a wide variety of sizes and colors and just different characteristics and, and, and crawfish for, for bass in general, but for definitely for red eye bass. Um, I think I would love to be able to say I caught a red eye bass or a black bass in general on like a on like a popper dropper with a crawfish at the bottom of it. That would be pretty sick. Like, yeah, throw a boogle bug or like a double barrel like flyman popper, and then at the bottom, like that'll be your that'll be your bobber or in, indicator, whatever the people the kids are calling that these days, and like put a crawfish at the end of it. Dude, float, floating crawfish is underrated. You can do that shit for trout too. And yeah, I'm. Go ahead. I'm not knowledgeable on on indicator fishing. Like, I'm not very good at like rigging all that up. So I need to. I need to. I need to practice that more. Dude, it's. I mean, it's incredibly simple, and there's so many different ways. To, like, put a bobber online, and there's so many different bobbers. Like mm -hmm. my favorite are the Oros indicators, and I mean. That's just that's just the brand I like. They do they do slip sometimes, but uh, I'm I can get better presentations. And it doesn't really matter if you're like putting crawfish under them, you know. But I feel like I can get a better presentation. This is a yeah. huge, but uh, I feel like <laughs> that's I can beautiful. Man. Thanks, dude. I feel like you can get a better presentation with the Oros indicator. Yeah, just out of pure laziness, I love the airlock one. <laughs> Dude, the Oros are even simpler though. You like you run the line through it, dude. And then you just twist it on and it's done. You don't have to oh, worry really? about yeah, you don't have to worry about the little washers. My my fly box is out in my car right now, but you don't have to worry about washers. Literally, like you just unscrew the bobber and it's two halves. And then you got, okay. the, you got the male and female side or the post and non-post side, and you put the line through the male side, and then you just screw them back together and it's done. Yeah. Okay. I'd like, imagine I, you just don't lose the washer, I guess. <laughs> there's, there's no washer. Oh, I th okay. I thought you said there was. I'm sorry. The, well, the airlocks have washers. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's like half a chicken you got there, man. There, there ain't no chicken in here. I'm trying to find, I ordered like one set of like size 12 eyes. There they are. 12 millimeter eyes and they're going on here. Yes, sir. But uh, Scott, I call you Scotty, dude. I think it's out of habit because my brother's name is Scotty and I have you on my phone as Scotty. So I'm not but, offended at all. <laughs> You're good, man. I, I, I respond to both. Um, I think someone else took Scott on Instagram and so I went with Scotty but I yeah I'll go by I go by both well I'm glad um <laughs> yeah. well dude where can everybody because we're coming up on the end of the show where can everybody find you dude um I think cigar keeps going out anyways um 
So I'm on Instagram just as Scotty Keener. That's um, an IE, right? Yeah, Scotty with an IE. And uh, as far as folks, if they want to be on, I'm sorry, I should, I, I missed punctuation here. So if, if they want to reach me on Instagram, it's Scotty with an IE underscore Keener. That's K E E N as in November E R. Um, and um, if you want to get a hold of of us through NFC, I would just go to our we have we have a South Carolina Native Fish Coalition page. That's just Native Fish Coalition, the letters S and C at the end of it. S is in Sam, C is in Charlie, and then um, our website is just nativefishcoalition.org. And that's our national site. And then um, if you hit the menu icon, I believe it's the upper right-hand corner, uh, we have state chapters. And you can look at our individual chapters. And then all of us have our own bios in that as well. You can find me on the South Carolina chapter bio. Um, but, yeah, that's that's where you find me. And that's where you find Native Fish Coalition. That is awesome. <laughs> I don't know yet. Maybe. We'll see. It'll get but, something. Uh, I hope so. I've been sitting on that shank. That's a six-hot hook on like a... I don't know. Let me measure it. My glue's drying, so I kind of don't want to, but I can squeeze where the eye's at. Like a like That's a 55 mil shank or something? It's a three it's three inches. I make my own shank, so I don't really know what whatever three inches is. I don't I don't know the kangaroo measurements, but yeah. <laughs> but something like that. But everybody go check out Scotty on Instagram. Go check out the Native Fish Coalition. They're doing good stuff for a native fish. Uh, their primary reach right now is really towards the east and southeast. So uh let's let's uh expand that how we can and help them out and let's let's get some more people interested in native fish uh, let's not just all be trout snobs and bass snobs and let's just not be snobs about fish all the fish are cool except invasive species you can club all them you want and uh yep. <laughs> eat those eat those guys they're they're probably they probably taste better than the natives anyways <laughs> that's what i hear you um but if you want to check us out on Working Class Fishing, you can find us at workingclassfishing.com. Now you can find us on Instagram at workingclassfishing. Uh, my personal page is Morris Flyco. Uh, Brian's is uh, PNW Vintage Fishing. Uh, he's not really on there a ton. Um, or you can email us at workingclassfish at gmail.com. And uh, this episode has been brought to you by CD Fishing, Sure Cure Naughty Tackle, and Adrius Fly Company. 3175s, Angry Rooster, Lid Rig, and Max and Inflatables. Go check out all of our sponsors. Go check out the Native Fish Coalition. Go check out Scotty. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. And I hope you have a great day. <laughs> Eat your vegetables. <laughs> <laughs>